This is Payments Innovation. We take you deep into the DNA of digital finance with some of the most respected voices in the industry. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Kara Hayward of the Payments Innovation Podcast. Really excited to have you back with two amazing guests today. We're going to be talking about the digital dollar and CBDCs and what we're seeing out there in the market around those. I'm excited today to have Clara Medali and Sean Ryan. We'll start with Clara. Clara, could you just quickly introduce yourself a little about your role in your company? Definitely. I work at Kaiko. Kaiko is a cryptocurrency data and research provider. Today, I am the head of research, which essentially means I analyze crypto markets all day. So I know a thing or two about stable coins and have learned quite a bit about CBDCs in the process. So excited to discuss a little bit more from the crypto angle today, everything about CBDCs. Fantastic. Thanks, Clara. And Sean? Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Sean Ryan. Uh, I'm with FactSet. FactSet is a a financial data and analytics provider. Uh, I spent 25 years as an analyst covering the financial sector for assorted investment banks and hedge funds, and then about five years ago joined FactSet to help build out a a sector-focused, really rich offering for financial sector specialists. And as digital assets have become increasingly institutionalized, uh, I've started to focus more and more on that, though, of course, not with the the same depth or expertise as Clara. Fantastic. Well, thanks. So let's start really basic here, because I think I know for myself, especially, there's a lot of confusion, I think, around stable coins and CBDCs. And is it crypto? Is it not? What's the difference? So let's just start with what are they and why are they important? It's effectively like a stable coin, but issued by typically a central bank uh, rather than you know some private issuer. And so it's sort of inextricably bound up with, um, you know, monetary policy, money supply, and and so opens up a whole other range of, of policy questions and implicates some other interests that make it somewhat controversial. Yeah, so I would say on the question of whether stable coins uh, are similar, the same as CBDCs, technically there's some of the same features, but I think CBDCs, they're Many in the crypto industry would not even consider them like crypto related. Um, and I'm actually in agreement with that simply because CBDCs wouldn't even necessarily need to use blockchain technology. Um, it's simply just like a digital version of a dollar controlled by a central bank, whereas a stable coin is still at the end of the day issued on a decentralized ledger, whether that's the Ethereum blockchain, whether that's like another blockchain like Avalanche or Binance Smart Chain. Um and though they are similar because stablecoins at the end of the day are issued by centralized entities, which does actually give them some power over the coins themselves. For example, Tether, the largest stablecoin, uh, can still freeze transactions if they've been blacklisted or sanctioned. Um, so there are similarities, but the underlying technology, that's where there's a lot of differences. Got it. That's, that's really helpful. Thank you for that. And maybe we can talk a little bit about the benefits that they're bringing. Like, why is there so much news these days around CBDCs and stable coins? Um, Clara, maybe you could just go a little bit deeper into what you were just talking about in terms of some of the benefits it brings to the market. So stable coins are extremely useful in the cryptocurrency industry. Back in the day, before you could actually use dollars on most crypto platforms, it was very difficult to value and trade cryptocurrencies because essentially you had to denominate everything in Bitcoin. And it's very hard to like for the brain to comprehend what the value of a Bitcoin is if you're trading multiple currency pairs. And so then when we started seeing stable coins emerge, 
they took off and they had exponential growth. All of a sudden, you can now use a simple sort of cryptocurrency to trade in something that's very familiar to people. So I now can value Bitcoin in dollars. I can trade stable coins everywhere. Whereas dollars themselves, you actually can't use on a lot of platforms. So stablecoins are extremely, extremely useful for the cryptocurrency industry. And the vast majority of all transactions today are done using stablecoins. I would just say with respect to CBDCs in particular, because they are issued by the sovereign, this can advance certain policy objectives uh, in terms of financial inclusion, shaving down transaction frictions, and so making things a little cheaper and a little faster. Now, I think one might reasonably ask how much CBDCs accomplish on that front that stablecoins don't already do. In fairness, a supporter might argue that at the very least, a CBDC might function in the same way that a postal bank does in terms of keeping market participants honest. Um, you know, From a policy perspective, um, it's also sort of bound up in the discussion over the shift to a cashless society, and and if cash is really to be um, you know, largely supplanted, um, then you know CBDCs open up uh, other policy options. So, for example, uh, if you get rid of cash, if you have a CBDC, then that makes the zero bound on monetary policy uh, a little less firm, uh, which not so relevant today, but over much of the past fifteen years would have been very relevant to to policy discussions. And I think um, one thing that comes up often in, in a conversation with some of the benefits um, is around how it can help um, reduce some of the complexities in cross-border money movement. Um, do you have anything to add around what that might look like, some of the benefits as to how it could impact sort of the cross-currency side of things? Well, yes, I think it certainly can. But, uh, you know, there again, I, I think this is a case where it's not really clear to me that a CBDC does a, a great deal that existing stablecoins can't already accomplish uh, in terms of you know, the immediacy of the transfer and access to funds and the de minimis cost. Yeah. And on my end, I wouldn't even compare CBDCs with stablecoins. I would just compare CBDCs with a digital dollar. Like the dollar already exists in, in digital form. The vast majority of transactions are done with digital versions of the dollar. And so while cross-border transfers, they can take like up to two days, even more. Um, a lot of that is not a technology limitation. It probably has to do more with like regulation and the different regimes within each country that have their own networks and frameworks for assessing every single transaction. And so it's not even a given that different technology would help or help speed up times because you still have this whole bureaucracy in place um, that needs to sort of check everything like money laundering and all of the other KYC. Yeah, I could go pretty deep on that side of things, but I'll keep, I'll keep it on topic. But I do think that's interesting where it's like all of it is sort of has to work together, right? The blockchain can be hurtful to certain AML priorities, but also potentially very helpful right, in terms of seeing each of the uh, transactions along the ledger. So very, very interesting point there. Who is advocating for, for CBDCs today? Like who are some of the, the loudest voices in the room as it comes to pushing for these? There's really not a lot of uh, loud voices uh, demanding that, that we have a, a CBDC. I mean, I think certainly in the public policy arena, there, there are some who just see the incremental advantages in reducing those transactional frictions um, and uh, enabling faster access to funds uh, in certain transfers to be worth it. Let's talk a bit about the ones that are out there. I mean, from your opinions, what does that rollout look like? What should we be thinking about as we look into that rollout in, in say, Nigeria and China, for example? Well, in China, I would say the adoption has been, you know, fairly minimal. You know, there's there's 
many millions of of, uh, of wallets, but I think there's you know not quite two billion dollars in in cash hitting them in aggregate. And so I think you know from from that perspective, you know the revealed preference of of users is that this is a bit of a solution in search of a problem. Uh, in Nigeria, I think it's a little bit different, where you know because you had uh, a shortage in actual banknotes there, uh, there's been sort of a, a forced adoption of this, and 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 that's caused increased usage. Uh, although again, you know that's sort of less a, a question of uh, you know proactive choice than you know necessity. Yeah, I mean in Nigeria in particular, they've had a pretty uh, pretty difficult rollout of it just because it's a very cash-based society. Um, and I read that they are really like trying to use legislation to encourage people to use the e-NERA, which is what it's called. Um, but that, that's caused even protests about it because they were limiting cash withdrawals at banks in order to increase adoption of digital payments when so much of the economy right now is still cash-based. And so it's not going very well to sort of enforce it via legislation rather than showing how it actually brings value to your life as an individual. Very interesting. Wow. Maybe we can pull it back into the U.S. a little bit. So I know we've been talking a little bit about stable coins, a little bit about CBDCs, and and you both have actually helped me better understand sort of the difference between the two and some of the the values that that both bring. But maybe we could talk about some recent news really quickly. Uh, PayPal, right, adopting a stable coin for their platform any comments on, on right? Because I know we have a handful of stable coins today that have been, you know, Circle, I think, provides one and a few others that have been pegged to the dollar. Benefits, challenges, do we think this is going to be rolled out or it's just still very early stages? Yeah, so I think the current stable coins, the, the number one use case today is in the cryptocurrency ecosystem. It's for trading. It's for decentralized finance. It's not really being used today for anything in the so called real world. And so I think PayPal, that could change this. We could now suddenly see stable coins being used for other things beyond just cryptocurrency transactions, whether that's buying or selling or speculation. And I think that's what's pretty cool because I think stable coins are one of probably the best use cases for cryptocurrency blockchain technology that we've seen today because it does solve a real problem, which is efficient transactions no matter where you are in the world. Um, And I'm curious to see sort of the partners that PayPal works with to sort of get this new stablecoin actually used by everyday people. Sean, anything to add there? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key is is going to be the level of adoption. I mean, it's interesting because, uh, you know, as this interest rate hiking cycle started, uh, even well into it, you really only saw a fairly modest decrease in in the total volume of of funds sitting in, in stablecoins. But then in recent months, that that decline has has really kind of picked up a bit, and so this perhaps has has the potential to reverse that, uh, and you know, as Clara noted, uh, enable some more mainstream uses. Well, do you, off the top of your head, know what some of those mainstream uses might look like outside of obviously the buying and selling of cryptocurrency, like you mentioned? Do you do you know if there's any sort of thoughts around where it might be used first? That's a good question. I haven't had too much time to look into it. So I I would say a similar model is how Circle went about USDC. So you have like Tether, which is the world's largest stablecoin. They've really sort of marketed themselves to be used by crypto traders and people in the crypto industry. Whereas Circle has sort of taken the opposite route with USDC. They really are, are focusing on real world partnerships and like how you can actually use USDC in your everyday life. So I imagine PayPal is going to take a very similar approach to that. 
yet to be seen, right? We'll be following the news carefully. Um, I think maybe a little bit back to the um, the adoption of CBDCs by some some Western economies. Any comments around that in terms of, you know, will the recent, A, the recent crash in crypto um, potentially sort of slow down the development and sort of some of the different use cases that are being tried out? Or could it actually create a quiet period for people to start experimenting again, right, where, where there's not as much hype? Um, also, what do you think the political scene could potentially affect uh, in terms of uh, the, the adoption and development of uh, CDBCs? And I guess we'll throw stable coins into that. Well, since the crash, you know, since the, well, since the peak of, of you know, November 21, um, it's become just a much more partisan question around digital assets in total, right? So, you know, even where, you know, in the last Congress, um, you know, Democrats and Republicans on the House Financial Services Committee were collaborating on a stablecoin bill. And, and, you know, as you've had this, you know, massive financial losses coupled with scandal after scandal, culminating with, you know, FTX, where, you know, we've been increasingly active in, in political circles. And, and so, you know, made it even more of a hot potato. Um, and so that's really kind of slowed things down, put a damper on it. And, and you know, now there's a there's a Republican proposal on stable coins, but you don't have that, you know, bipartisan cooperation. Um, and, you know, that kind of partisan element, I think, has the potential to get elevated when we talk about CBDCs. Um, you know, there's just, there is an intrinsically political question there, because, you know, if you think about really historically, no, no king, no emperor, no pharaoh has ever had the control over the quotidian details of his subjects' lives that CBDCs enable for 21st century governments. And so that is necessarily a political question. And, and you know, I think you, you see that in, in, you know, the Fed, you know, Chairman Powell kind of kicked that question to Congress. And, you know, he said, well, if we're going to do this, that's a, a question that Congress should, should make, which, you know, definitely slows it down because of the, the you know, partisan nature of the question there. But, you know, again, it, it's probably the, the prudent thing, both from an institutional perspective from the Fed and from a pol- public policy perspective for there to be, you know, some effort to, to, to find a, a bipartisan uh, agreement to move it forward. Very interesting. Thank you for that. Clara, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with all of that. It's inherently political, which means that it will probably be politically unpopular, especially the privacy question. The only way I can see this not being unpopular is if there's somehow some like use case that will change your life so dramatically that everyone wants to use a CBDC. But I don't think anyone has discovered that use case yet that can't already be addressed by existing payment solutions. And I think that's the big question mark about CBDCs in general is like, what problem is it actually solving that cannot already be solved by existing solutions? Interesting. Yeah. Love, love that take. Fantastic. Well, thank you for um, both of your insights. Anything else you'd like to add just in terms of some of the research that you're doing, what you're seeing in the market, any themes that we haven't touched on yet? At Kaiko, we do a lot of research on stable coins, their usage, and sort of trends in trade volume and liquidity um, in the cryptocurrency industry. So it's not really touching their usage in non-crypto use cases. But what we did see is still Tether, like is the world's largest stable coin. They surpassed their total market cap just last week. I think they now have more than $83 billion worth in circulation. So they're just 
just this massive, massive entity that has so many stable coins. And I'm very interested to see how PayPal handles like Tether, which is just ubiquitous in crypto and whether people actually want to use a more regulatory compliant, which probably means like more limited use cases um, than what you're seeing with existing solutions today. Very, very interesting. Thank you. Sean, anything that we haven't touched on that you'd like to chat about? Well, I would just say, you know, with respect to CBDCs uh, and protections against uh, the power that, that that affords, you know, the issuer, uh, the devil is going to be in the details. And, and of course, you know, the G7 issued um, a statement of principles that was, you know, a little bit pie in the sky, but, you know, certainly, you know, worthy aspirations in terms of protecting privacy and, uh, and individual liberties. Um, and so, you know, we'll just have to keep an eye on those and, and, and hope for the best. Uh, certainly, you know, to the extent something is done, uh, it's likely to have those safeguards written in, uh, at the same time, you know, cursory knowledge of history, uh, would, would counsel some circumspection about uh, relying on those protections. <laughs> very, very fair point. Fantastic. Well, thank you both. I uh, really appreciate the time today. This is an exciting space. And uh, I think, well, I'm, I'm happy to know that we have two guests here who literally spend all day, every day looking into this. So <laughs> I know whose brains to pick when I uh, have some questions. So thanks again. Really appreciate being on the podcast today. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us here on Payments Innovation. We'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas about the show. Connect with Currency Cloud on Twitter or LinkedIn to find out more. And remember to subscribe via your favorite podcast player. Until next time.